You're listening to SpartanUpPodcast.com, where we study success and everything required to create it. We interview people from all over the world that are successful, no matter how they define it. We are here, SpartanUpPodcast.com, with the team, Colonel Nye, Sephra Rewilder, and Johnny, the doctor. There you go. And uh, we're talking about winter Vernacki. You are going to flip out. <laughs> Flip out when nice. you see well <laughs> when you see this um, this interview. Sixteen sixteen years old, and uh, she's done so much, most than more than most of us. I Great saw, attitude. What? Yeah, I saw her speak at your uh, four thirty one conference. Mm. What an incredibly impressive young lady! So I'm really looking forward to this interview. Yeah, how do you make kids like that? Let's find out. Find out. Right. Yeah, I bet she can tell us. Yeah. What's up? Who'll right, come? Spartan up the podcast here in Pittsville, Vermont. We're with Whitner Vinecki, superstar athlete, 15-year-old. Yeah. And Noodle, who's 11. See Noodle? She's also an athlete. Let's talk about uh, where the heck you get all this motivation from. I'm thinking back to when I was 15. You got up on stage. I listened to you talk. You're unbelievable, well-spoken. How does this happen? Uh, a lot of my motivation comes from my dad since he passed away from prostate cancer. So a lot of what I do, I'm just trying to go out there and raise awareness for, for prostate cancer awareness to bring honor to him and kind of remember him. And when did he die? How old were you? I was 10 years old. Yeah, so even at a 10-year-old, to get all that, um, I was thinking, listening to you, were you like sent to Dale Carnegie School or something <laughs> and taught how to speak on stage? Or how'd that happen? Like, how'd you get good at it? I definitely did not start out while public speaking. I remember looking back now to videos of when I first went on like the Rachel Ray show when I was nine years old, when my dad was still alive. And now looking at that video to now about my public speaking is pretty crazy to see, but it's mainly just my mom kind of Training directing you. and teaching me, yeah. Yeah, you've done great. So um, you were on the Rachel Ray show at nine years old, dad dies at 10, and you uh, all of a sudden become a great speaker, run around, do seven marathons on seven continents. Um, do you train? What do you, what, what do you eat? Well, a lot of the times when I'm out at the house, my mom is always cooking home-cooked meals. So ever since I was little, I grew up with basically all these healthy meals prepared for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. For breakfast, usually like an omelet, and then salad for lunch, and chicken or fish or things like that for dinner. So I grew up in a very, I guess, healthy family, always exercising. My mom would go out for runs, and I decided to go try to run with her up and down the our driveway and roads four miles starting when I was really little just because I wanted to try it and is she um like so she's a health nut yeah definitely so she's always been a health nut this wasn't something that happened when your dad died no she's always been competing in Ironmans and triathlons ever since I don't even know before I was born got it so you so you saw and your dad was the same your dad was he wasn't actually much of an athlete my mom was the athlete but then he was a musician and grew up in a Polish family, so he grew up playing all kinds of different instruments and didn't really play a lot of sports or anything until he started running with us when we all started doing different running races. So um, what do you, what's next on your list? You've done, tell me what you've done. You've done seven marathons, seven, you've done a ton of stuff now. What have you done? Oh boy. Well, one of the biggest things I did this past year was run a marathon on all seven continents. So I did that for prostate cancer awareness and now have the world record for the youngest person to do so. Nice. And did you swim from continent to the continent? How did you no. Go? You didn't swim? No, we didn't swim. We just took a plane. 
which is Hi. sometimes harder than actually doing the race itself and getting into the different races. How much time was between marathons? We did all, because my mom did the races with me as well, and we finished the seven marathons in 18 months, and the last five being within a year. Oh, nice. And the closest time in between was the last two in New Zealand and Greece, and there's only like a week in between. That, that was a juggle. <laughs> yeah. Trying nice. to fly from New Zealand back home and back to Greece was kind of crazy. And what about school when you're running around doing all these things, these races and speaking? and? I do online school through Stanford University. They have an online high school program that I basically just go on my computer and log on to classes and oh, submit really? my homework. And so you don't have to go physically into a school? No. That's awesome. Must be working because you're speaking well. Yeah. <laughs> right? You like it? Yeah, it's good. It's sometimes hard to be able to schedule all the schooling by yourself and figure it out because they give you homework and say, okay, you have two weeks to finish it. And to be able to plan it out is a little tough sometimes, but make it work. And then what about not, you don't see other kids like you'd normally see in school. Is that a problem? Not really, just because when I train for skiing, I go up to the ramps every day and it's all my teammates. So that's basically like going to my schooling or whatever. Let's talk about skiing. So what do you do? I do aerial skiing. So we basically huck ourselves off these massive jumps and do a bunch of flips and twists and try to land on our feet. And right in, now... In between moguls or just jumps? No, just plain jump. We have our jumps, you can go anywhere from singles to doubles to triples. So right now I'm doing double flips. Nice, how's that? It's a little scary doing it for the first time, but it's fun. Have you landed on snow yet or are you still landing in water? Uh, we train during the summer on water and then on snow we go to winter. Or yeah, in the winter time we go to snow. And last year was my first year doing doubles on snow. How was that, that first jump? The first jump is terrifying but I managed to land on my feet all right. <laughs> nice and uh, is it is it a matter of just doing a thousand of them in the water so that's just automatic? Basically we train on trampoline and then we train on water ramps and in order to qualify a jump so you can do it on snow you have to do at least like a hundred or 150 of the trick and then do five in front of these judges to make sure you're gonna land on your feet and know how to do it. What about the old days when they didn't train that way and they just went out and did it on the snow? <laughs> yeah, well, that's like the slope style athletes. I don't think they don't have to qualify any tricks. So they just go out and try new tricks. Some of them will try it on tramp or into foam pits or in the water ramps, but a lot of them just huck it on the snow, which I don't think I could ever do. I don't know if I'd have the feeling confident enough for trying a new trick just on snow. It's pretty bold, right? To have just yeah. Done it. In the 70s and 80s, I would imagine what, that's what they did. Yeah, no helmets. Nothing, right? Just go for it. Yeah. So, um, so what's next? Olympics? That's my goal is a 2018 Winter Olympics. You think you got it? I think so. It's, it all depends going up to basically weeks before because a lot of it's based on your point ranking, which could completely change even in the last season leading up to the Olympics. And what happens if you don't, God forbid, if you don't make it? Are you, you have, well, you have plan B. You're running around doing, you'll probably do iron. Done an Ironman yet? No, I haven't done an Ironman, but definitely want to do an Ironman. You have to be 18, so got a few more years. But if I don't make it to the Olympics, then I'll, I'll find something to do. I want to go to Stanford University for college, nice. so I'd want to go there, continue running, or continue aerials. How about like climbing Everest or anything? Is that on your list? I don't know if I'd want to climb Mount Everest. Um, one thing I do really want to do is go skydiving. I do skydiving. <laughs> yeah. I did skydiving once, so um, I get out on the wing of the plane, 
because they you crawl out on the wing. Yeah. And they have you holding on to the wing, and you're flapping in the wind. And they said, let go. I was like, I don't want to let go. <laughs> and literally, the guy was banging on my hands, let go. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. My producer says we need a lot of reviews on iTunes so that Apple will make it easy for you to find our show. Can you help us out by subscribing and writing a review? We'd really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, so uh, there's a chance you do Everest. You're doing double flips. Land. How high do you get when you do a double flip, by the way? It's about 30 feet in the air. 30, 30 feet in the air. You're, um, you're looking to go in the Olympics. You did seven marathons in seven continents. Are you running from something? Are you just fearless? What's going on there? Are you just trying to get yourself out of your comfort zone? I think it's just this sense of like adrenaline and that excitement that you get when you try something new, even if it's a little scary sometimes. So like when I did my first double backflip on snow, even though it was terrifying, you have to step outside that comfort zone to kind of push yourself a little further than you think was possible. And you think that's good? I think that's good. You always got to you never want to be just kind of in your own little comfort zone because you're never going to be able to know what you really are capable of. You don't grow. They say no. they say comfort stunts growth. Yeah. Right? I, I, just got to yeah. get uncomfortable, whether that was doing online schooling yeah. or, or whatever. Well, good stuff. What's your favorite exercise? Favorite exercise? Yeah, favorite exercise. Could be anything. Hmm. You don't like exercising, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of which one here. I mean... If skiing counts as just like skiing around counts as exercise, I like that, but I mean... Free skiing? You just love free skiing? Yeah, free skiing or just a lot of times I train with a personal trainer and we do like circuits, so I love those. Like circuits? Yeah. So I just want to end with this with Winter Vanecki. Uh, she's our youngest interview ever, 15 years old, did seven marathons on seven continents, but Serenal Fine, is that how you say his name? Serenal Fines. Uh, you ever hear of this guy? He cut off his own fingers because they were frostbitten. Oh my God, that's crazy. What did he do, in a garage? Yeah. It was, the doctor was taking too long, he didn't have time. He bought a hacksaw and he cut him off. Um, he did seven marathons on seven continents, in addition to a bunch of other things. With no fingers. In seven days. In seven days he did that, <laughs> uh, which is difficult, as you know, to fly around yeah. and hit seven continents, right? Yeah, it was hard enough doing it in 18, 18 months. months. I can't imagine seven days. He did it in seven, seven days. days. So we gotta, we got to introduce you two guys. That'll be a podcast. Yeah. Thanks for coming. All right. Thanks so much. Yep. Wow, was that amazing? Seven, seven races, seven continents? Seven marathons, at, at not just seven, races. Well, seven marathons at 15 years old? 15 years old. Uh, she started that's, that's incredible. Did she do them all at 15? Or you, you know what I think is extra incredible about that? She's not a runner. I mean, she's obviously she's a runner, but well, if, usually primary. if you're doing that, you're famous for that. She's, she's a world-class skier, like a ski jumper, right? Yep. Aerial skier. Like, this is a pretty well-rounded young lady. She's, uh, she's definitely going places in life. I mean, uh, you don't see 15, 16-year-old kids acting like this. I want to know how to make my kids like that. Well, you have you have superstar kids, but that that's not they weren't they were from the your wife's first I was gonna, <laughs> I, had, I had very little to do with it, but but maybe it's because I was away a lot when they were growing up. That could be. That could it, be. it could be. Um, there's. I, I think. Tell me about David and Goliath. Well, I think there's some competing theories out there. You would think, I and mean, we've all said it, that to, to get to success, especially at that young age, you need a very strong nucleus and you need a family. But maybe I, I misunderstood what I read. But in David and Goliath, they did talk about that many of the people who have, who have made it, um, that he talks about statistically, actually lost a father 
at an yeah. earlier age. And and again, we talked about adversity. And through, I didn't know through, you were talking about the recent David and Goliath. Oh, <laughs> I the, the original David and Goliath story. <laughs> yes, I did read it. Got okay. it. And, and do, do you remember that? Or? I, I keep going. <laughs> well, that, that's the part I remember. Uh, with that has reference to this, but yeah. it talks about that. And 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 this young lady uh, sadly lost her father at uh, twelve. Mm-hmm. Twelve, yeah. Uh, but has again taken that energy and turned it into a positive mm-hmm. and turned it towards causes. She she uh, talks about comfort stunts growth, and it's so funny. We try and create these environments for our kids where we give them everything and all the opportunities and and it seems like the right thing to do and yet so many people who go on to great success it's overcoming something and you know they, they've lost someone or something's happened in their life not always something good and um, I don't mean that we should go out and create terrible things to happen but it's a really good example of that anything that does happen you get to respond to yeah, and I, right. and, I, and I think I think also kind of references back to Ben Greenfield's interview, right? It's not that invisible training. She's out there running with her mom. And I think it is um, doing some, you know, starting when you're young, right? Like the way you're training your kids. And uh, and it reminds me of a, it's kind of a, a broad analogy, but um, I did a dry land restoration project with uh, Brad Lancaster and Bill Zedek, which was out in the desert. And basically when you have huge arroyos or like huge erosion that comes from the, the runoff when it, when there's a lot of rain in the desert, it, it can erode big river valleys and what in what they need to do right is if you can go to the source of where well, in certain cases with erosion right if you can go up to the source of where that erosion starts it's just like a little trickle right and you can like move a stick or move a branch or something and divert it but by the time you get down to the gushing flow of erosion where it's a huge gully it's a lot it's a lot harder to remediate and and change that erosion so if you can get these ideals and if you can get these philosophies and um, things instilled in kids at a young age it's 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 a much easier you can create otherwise you can otherwise oh yeah, yeah sure exactly. no, but exactly. it's yeah. funny though you look at no, some of the no. issues that people deal with later in life and it was something little right and it was that little thing that mm-hmm. they let break them rather than 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 make them i don't want to sound uh, cliche but you're you're right it's if you go back to the source and figure out where that little thing was yeah. and how to redirect it and um you know here's an example with her where she's um, she's taken everything that's happened in her life, and already at 16, done far more than most people will ever do. I mean, right? travel alone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just uh, you know, to be that young and have gone to that many places. Yeah. So, so imagine now with her harnessing that and that incredible energy, what she's going to go out and do. Um, I think it's really great to. It's not that we want to hold this out as the standard, because obviously not every kid's going to be able to to get there. But we talked before about about kids who are bored. I'm bored right send just, them to me yeah we have to get them out there doing things but but adults too who say i don't have enough hours in the day winter vanecki has enough hours in the day to do all those incredible things so at, at uh, that age at that age that's yeah. winter calling now <laughs> fantastic yeah. cool she just got done ski jumping yeah and um yeah i mean and, and there's something to be said you know her parents have supported her. she's homeschooled she's able to uh to, to work on to work on what she's passionate about and that right there I mean that's a privilege you know and it's not to discredit kids who may not be doing things in the physical realm right there's a lot of things that can be celebrated but um I, I just really loved her like her positive go-getter attitude and and just her dedication she talks about she has to do a trick 150 times before she can do it on snow yeah. and so just like that repetition and and getting really good at something before you you actualize and what, one and quick one quick thing on that that whole thing about the 150 times before you do it on snow and um, when I do my hypnosis, that's something I really talk to people about. Hypnosis. Yeah. Dr. Johnny. I wonder why I was saying things I didn't really <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a certified <laughs> hypnotherapist. This no, is true. One, one day I woke up somewhere I didn't even certified? know where I was. He had, 
appeared to hypnotize me. <laughs> so he had me sleepwalk 200 miles. So the uh, <laughs> but, so helpful. But the idea behind this, when you look at a, uh, at a ski jumper and you see them at the, at the top or a gymnast yeah. and they stand and they'll always plant and in their head you'll see them go and they're picturing that jump. Right. But here's the incredible thing about this. What we're taught growing up subliminally in our society is the things to try not to do. I'm going to try not to fail. I'm going to try, what if I fail? Oh my God, think about how better thing will be if I fail. We focus on that negative and we try not to do it. But what we're visualizing again and again and again is failing. So these athletes, if they were to picture wiping out every time they pictured that, they would never be able to do that jump. And um, That's brain patterning, isn't but, it? But I mean, tens of thousands of times they've pictured that jump for every time they've actually physically done on snow, literally thousands and thousands of times they've done it in their head, always with a perfect outcome. It has to be. And so that goes in anything we want to do in life. Mm. Picture that outcome. And it's not saying it's guaranteed, but you're going to drastically increase the chances of doing it. But especially you're going to increase the chances of starting to do it. Because if you think you're going to fail, you're never going to start. If you pictured the positive outcome a thousand times. So it's when, when, that intention, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so much of her success has nothing to do with being on her feet. It has to do with being in her head. And I think it's even more impressive the ones that have failed. Somewhere. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because always visualize and land in that, that jump yeah. and always doing it is one thing. Thinking you're going to succeed and then crashing that next time back up. Now that, that thought of failure is in your head. Yeah. It's, it's there much bigger than it was before sure. because you hadn't experienced it. Yeah. Now that, that whole mindset really comes into play. I, I think yeah. it's, you know, it's that, that first one back, you know, whether, whether you're Taylor jumping Finney or racing or, you know. If you're falling off a bicycle going down a mountain or whatever, that next time, you know, that's where the real mental focus and mental power comes in. And it's great that we have all these different podcasts to refer back to now. You know, mentioned mm -hmm. Taylor Finney, and I immediately thought of Nate Carr with his visualization of taking that failure, writing it down, crumpling up and throwing it in yeah, the fire yeah. in your head, right? Yeah, he's not afraid of it, yeah. right? Get, so, get out of here. So if you want yeah, to see, see all these podcasts we're talking about, go to SpartanUpPodcast.com. You'll see the notes from this one. You'll see what we took away from it. You get a chance to, to let us know what you took away from it at Colonel I's Interactive Corner. And, uh, and you'll also be able to check, uh, check in and see all the other great podcasts we're referring to. The Spartan Up Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Race Incorporated. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. Interviews were conducted by Joe DeSena with help in the UK from Del Grismo. Video and audio production by Marion Abrams with audio post-production by Aaron Moore. Thank you for listening to another epic story of success. And don't forget to visit SpartanUpPodcast.com to find videos of every episode along with notes and lessons.